On behalf of Lineberg Information Services, this is Bob Keebler, and I'm here to talk about President Obama's 2017 budget. On February 9, 2016, the White House released the budget proposals for 2017. From a tax perspective, I'm going to cover these in terms of retirement plan reforms, estate tax reforms, and income tax reforms. From a retirement plan perspective, the budget would add a requirement that certain small businesses without retirement plans must offer a payroll deduction funded IRA. The proposal includes tax credits to offset startup costs as well as other incentives. This would be effective beginning 2018. The budget would also add penalty-free IRA distributions for the long-term unemployed and penalty-free rollovers of lifetime annuities held in a 401k to an IRA if the annuity investment is no longer authorized to be held by the 401k plan. Further, the budget would add an exemption from RMD's additional Roth IRA contributions after age 70 and a half. This would change Roth conversion strategies substantially, and in the interim, clients analyzing Roth conversions should be warned that this proposal has been released by the White House. The budget would also add a 60-day rollover for inherited IRAs. This would allow individuals transferring inherited IRAs between brokerage firms to actually take physical possession of the cash and have 60 days to roll it back into an IRA. The budget would expand the number of part-time employees which must be eligible to participate in the company 401k. Companies with newly covered employees would receive non-discrimination testing relief. The budget would eliminate the ability to stretch an IRA over the beneficiary's life expectancy in favor of a five-year rule. This proposal has been discussed before and would have a devastating effect on the transfer of wealth between large IRA holders and their families. The budget would eliminate the ability of a taxpayer to continue to contribute to retirement accounts after accruing an excessive amount. This limit would be determined actuarially and change annually based upon interest rates. However, the initial limit would be approximately $3.4 million at 70 and a half. This limit would go down, however, as a person grew older. The budget would eliminate Roth conversions of after-tax dollars to IRAs. This is a proposal that could become law, seemingly a relatively small adjustment to the code. And for those of us representing individuals with after-tax dollars and IRAs, it would be a good idea to discuss with them the efficacy of Roth conversions. We would also eliminate the exclusion for net unrealized depreciation for taxpayers who have not obtained age 50 as of December 31, 2016. The budget proposals would also impact upper-income taxpayers. The budget would add a limitation on the benefit of certain exclusions and deductions to $0.28 cents on the dollar. For example, for a wealthier individual, if currently their mortgage deduction yields a 39.6% benefit, the new deduction would only add a 28% benefit. This would include itemized deductions. Municipal bond interest would now be taxed to the extent of the difference from 28 to 39.6%. Health insurance benefits would no longer be excluded. Further, the budget would add a Buffett-style minimum tax called the fair tax, equal to 30% of AGI. This would start to phase in linearly, beginning at an AGI of $1 million and would be fully phased in at $2 million. The budget would increase the capital gain rate from 24.2% to 28% when combined with the net investment income tax. The budget would eliminate carryover basis for gifts and instead 
require the donor to recognize income when making a gift. This would have a devastating impact on the transfer of small businesses between parents and younger generations. The budget would also eliminate the basis adjustment at death and instead require the decedent to recognize income at death for the difference between the fair market value and the basis of the property. It is not clear how this would be integrated with the estate tax. Gifts to spouses and charities would not require recognition at death, and all personal tangible property, excluding collectibles, would also be exempt. Under the budget proposal, there would be a $100,000 per person exclusion for capital gains recognized at death, in addition to the Section 121 exclusion for your home. The exclusion for small business stock would continue to apply, and certain small family-owned and operated businesses would be exempt from recognition as long as the business remains family-owned and operated. The budget also contains a number of select loophole closers, which will be of interest to planners. The budget would add a requirement that a bond's accrued market discount must be recognized as income when the bond is acquired in the same manner as OID. Further, the budget would add a requirement that income from the sale of what would have been an investment services partner's interest, a carried interest, would be taxed as ordinary income and subject to self-employment taxes, thereby eliminating the favorable taxation of carried interests. The budget would eliminate the specific identification method in favor of using an average basis. This proposal has been floated before. During 2016, it would be very wise for planners to attempt to sell higher basis stock if stock is going to be sold. For example, you represent a client that has five different tranches of Procter & Gamble, ranging from a basis of $50 a share to a basis of $5 a share. In 2016, it might be desirable to sell the stock with a $50 basis rather than a $5 basis. If this proposal becomes law and there is an implementation period, certainly taxpayers would do one of two things. They will sell high basis assets, and for very low basis assets, they will consider transferring those to a charitable remainder trust. The budget would also eliminate the ability for businesses to make the S election in order to reduce employment taxation. This proposal would ensure all trades or businesses would be subject to the 3.8% Medicare tax through either the NIT or through the SECA tax. The President's budget would also make select modifications to estate and gift taxes. The budget would restore the estate, GST, and gift taxes to 2009 levels, a 45% rate, a $3.5 million exemption, and a $1 million gift tax exemption. Planners will be wise to modify the progress made on some of these proposals in that we may have a short window of opportunity to use the larger $5 million gift tax exemption. These thresholds would not be indexed for inflation. Gifts made during the current higher exemption would be grandfathered. Portability of the estate tax exemption would be retained provided taxpayers file returns. The budget would expand the basis consistency requirements for transfer and income tax to include property qualifying for the estate tax marital deduction and property transferred by gifts. The budget would require these to be reported in a similar manner to Form 8971. The budget proposal would add limitations to the structure of grants. This would include a minimum term of 10 years, 
a maximum term of the life expectancy of the annuitant plus 10 years, a remainder interest with a minimal value to the greater of 25% of the assets contributed or $500,000. This would basically end grants as we know them today. You would not be able to decrease the annuity and there would be no tax-free exchanges in and out of grants. The budget proposals would also provide a limitation on the duration of the GST exemption. The proposal requires any GST exemption allocated to a trust would terminate at the 90th anniversary of the trust. Basically, what would happen is at the 90th anniversary, the trust would go from an inclusion ratio of zero to an inclusion ratio of one. This provision would apply to trusts created after enactment and the portion of pre-existing trusts attributable to additions made after enactment. The budget would eliminate heats by clarifying the definition of transfers excluded from the generation skipping transfer tax under section 2611B1. Basically, the heat trust has been used to allow taxpayers to transfer funds for education and medical expenses from GST non-exempt trusts. The proposal would eliminate the efficacy of IGIT sales. Any transaction sold to a grantor trust in a transaction disregarded for income tax purposes would be included in the grantor's gross estate. Moreover, if a trust ceases to be a grantor trust during the grantor's lifetime, the amount sold would be treated as a gift. The budget proposal would simplify the annual exclusion gifting regime to trusts by eliminating the present interest requirement up to $50,000. In other words, you would only be able to transfer $50,000 into a crummy trust. This would not impact direct gifts to family members. For example, if grandmother had 15 grandchildren, she could put $50,000 in a crummy trust for them and still have remaining annual exclusion for direct gifts. The budget also provides a number of middle-class reforms. The earned income credit would be expanded along with the child care credit and the American Opportunity Tax Credit. The budget would eliminate the lifelong learning credit for college and would eliminate the student loan interest deduction for new borrowers. These proposals would provide an exclusion for the discharge of Department of Education student loan debt and a second earner credit to encourage the second lower earning spouse to work. The budget would also extend the exclusion for the discharge of primary residence indebtedness to the end of 2017. On behalf of Leinberg Information Services, this has been Bob Keebler, and thank you for joining us today.